Well, welcome from our house to yours. It's great that you are joining us online today. Um, if you have been watching online, we would love to hear from you. Today I have Lewis Wilson joining me. As a church, we're committed to um, supporting a number of missionaries and mission organisations that seek to really share the gospel. And Lewis works with Power to Change. Lewis, before we chat, um, I'd just love to just share a snippet of one of the projects that you've been involved with. This is an interview that was done earlier in the year. What's going on, Changemakers? I'm Michael, and welcome back to Power to Change Digital, where we want to show you the ways that God is using all of our strategies to encounter Jesus today, impact Australia tomorrow, and reach the nations for eternity. And today, I have with me Lewis. Lewis, welcome. Thank you, Michael. Lewis serves as the Executive Director of App Acquisition <laughs> and Development at the HQ here in Melbourne. Lewis, yeah. that was a totally made-up job title, but yep. what does that mean? <laughs> Tell us a bit more. What do you do? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I do a lot of app development, uh, programming. Uh, so uh, that's involved making a couple of apps so far. And the project that we're working on at the moment is a bit of a video game, yeah, to try and reach uh, or share the gospel with, um, yeah, gamers in particular, people who we haven't uh, specifically addressed, I guess, as a people group in the past. Um, and it's a group of people that I find that I have a bit of a connection with myself. Um, so, yeah. So, Liz, you're obviously you're a missionary here with Power yeah. to Change. How long have you been on staff? Hmm. Uh, well, I've been on staff for about a year and a month now. Uh, so I started uh, in the office February 2019. Uh, yeah, so just over a year. So yeah. fresh blood, but yeah. fresh ideas as well, I'm <laughs> guessing, right? Yes, I, I would hope that they're fresh. <laughs> there you go. Because what you do is so – it's just very – Unconventional, really, mm. in terms of wanting to reach such a specific uh, group of people in a, such a specific way yeah. in this time and place where you're able to do that well. And so for anybody like me who knows nothing of gaming, uh, again, that whole world, I just don't fully understand. Tell, yeah. tell someone like me a bit more of like, man, where is the need in that community? Tell us mm. why do you have a heart for that people, yeah. the people group? Why yeah. do you have a heart for gamers? Um, yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. What's yeah. that culture like? Where do you see the need? Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, um, I think there's, within the group of people who we would call gamers, there's a lot of different types of people. Um, but I'd say one of the common things that I see amidst those people is kind of a want to get away from their regular life. Um, there may just be something that sucks or they just want to, experience what it is to fly or to be really powerful, you know. Um, and so it's this sense of getting away from everyday life um, and they just want to escape into a fantasy world where they can be someone else. Um, and so I feel like for a lot of them, it can be a very unhealthy way of escaping, um, not dealing with things or not having the right answers to things. Uh, and so I feel like God is something or someone that would really fill that hole that they're trying to fill. Um, yeah, and so trying to come into that place and share the message or the gospel with them 
um, to show them that they don't need to escape because they've got something even better than video games um, to give their life meaning. So I just love that you're using your gifts and your interests to really serve God in really unique ways. So tell us about like what's happened with the, the game project. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, this year uh, hit all of us pretty hard. Uh, and so um, being the digital team, we've ended up having to put the video game project a bit on pause uh, because we're all kind of drawn into different projects that are a bit more urgent uh, and needing to be done immediately um, as we were trying to deal with ministry this year. Um, so, yeah, it's been put on pause. Um, we're hoping to pick up uh, whether it's the game itself or a similar project uh, next year. Um, we're likely going to have to downsize the scale of it as well. Uh, with the manpower we have available, um, it's not quite possible to do such a big project, um, but we are still really wanting to... Um, yeah, use video games to share the gospel. Yeah, so, look, I think it's fantastic that you're really yeah. seeking to, to reach that really unique um, group of people that, that, you know, in ways that they would get and understand. But I also understand, like, COVID has created crazy times and everyone sort of had to pivot in what they thought they were going to be doing in 2020 into the more urgent kind of projects. But I also know you have been working on a number of other projects through 2020 as well. Um, so tell us about like, what else have you been doing and what, what, you know, those projects that you really hope that God would use. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, um, the main one that I've been working on uh, the last couple of months is uh, a Bible study that has been developed by Powder Change, uh, putting that into an app so that more people can access it easier. Uh, and so... Uh, the study's called Knowing Him, uh, and it's been a couple months in development uh, working alongside the guys that made the app. Um, but I'm really excited to see that one come out when it does, uh, because it has been uh, a bit spread uh, with the content that it has available. It has a hard copy book with podcasts on a USB and videos on Vimeo, and so everything's just kind of everywhere. Um, but this app's kind of bringing everything into the one place uh, where it'll be easier to access um, for people. So I'm really excited to see that one come out. That's fantastic. You know, I'm so conscious that we're also we're so um, blessed by all the digital, you know, use of technology that we can have to access things. And um, sometimes we just think that magically appears. So, like, it's just so awesome that you're able to use those gifts to, to make those things a reality, so that, that we as Christians can just grab those things on our phone and just go, yeah, I can be with God just in, in you know, using this app. That's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> I know, too, like, just, you know, this importance of having a digital strategy that Power to Change has been really investigating. And so this year you, um, you're involved in a conference called Hack, um, and Hack was very much, it was a national conference? Uh, it was actually international. Wow. Um, but we gathered people across Australia into our group. And the aim was very much to, to come alongside those who are seeking to share faith, those who are evangelism, missionaries, all those sorts of things, and um, to really understand, okay, what are the needs that you have digitally and how can then you as the digital team actually make those a reality for them? 
which is just such a beautiful way to serve um, those who are seeking to share the gospel um, from from that really empowering place behind the scenes. So good on you. Now you live and work in Melbourne. Yes. So <laughs> you were very much part of the. How many weeks was it? I lost count. Yep, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the the forever lockdown that yep. was Melbourne. <laughs> um, we know it was probably a really hard time. But if there were positives that did come out of it, what were some of the positives that came out of that time? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it was definitely hard to see the positives during it. Uh, and to an extent, looking back as well, it's a bit difficult sometimes. Uh, but I think uh, looking back, just the trust that I had to develop in God, that he would get me through, he would see me through, and that I would be okay in the end. I'd be able to see family at some point. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, a real positive that uh, when the hard times did hit, it's like I had no tr- uh, no option but to turn to God. Uh, I just, yeah, I think that was a really uh, good thing uh, and something that I hope that I can continue to foster um, moving forward. Yeah, so. yeah. Well... I think, you know, it's really important for us to hear that because you know, it must feel a little bit crazy that you've come from Melbourne where it's all been chaotic and crazy. You come to safe Sydney and here we are in our next little yeah. situation. Um, yes. So, yeah, hopefully you will get to return um, mm. back to Melbourne. Yeah. How can we be praying for you as a church in mm. 2021? Yeah. Uh, well, there are a couple things. Um, as a digital team, we are moving to become more of a strategy. Um, and so as a, when we were the digital team, we primarily filled a lot of kind of support roles in Power to Change uh, and wanted to do some specific evangelism stuff, but because of our position, weren't fully able to do that. Um, but moving into this position of a strategy, uh, we're going to be uh, more focused on doing evangelism uh, and supporting or working alongside other strategies in Power to Change uh, to do that. So I think prayer as we kind of navigate that new um, situation uh, would be appreciated. Um, and I guess another thing would be for a project that we're planning to start on. Um, it's tentatively called the Sun Project. Uh, and it'll be a bit of a an interactive video, short film, uh, where the viewer is able to make decisions on the outcome, um, and that will, uh, I guess, lead into uh, gospel presentations and conversations. Um, and so hopefully having a very wide audience being available online. Um, so just prayer for, yeah, God's wisdom and guidance as we're planning and starting to work on that would be... Yeah, very good. Awesome. Can I pray for you now? Can we pray for you now? Yeah. Father, we want to thank you for Lewis. We thank you for his faithful service to you, Lord God. And we want to pray for the digital team. We ask, Lord, that you would lead them by your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that they would know um, clarity and wisdom as they develop that strategy. And, Lord, just know where to place their priorities and their resources, Lord God. And, Lord, I I just pray to... um, for this this new game as well or this new app lord i just want to pray that you would um lead them to in this project of the sun lord and i pray that that short video lord would be used really powerfully um 
yeah, for your kingdom's sake. So give them, give them just your leadings, your grace along the way, Jesus, I pray. And for this time, Lord God, I pray that Lewis would find rest and refreshing. And I pray, Lord, that he would be ready to head into 2021. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Lewis. We're going to continue our service. And today we have um, Scott Morrison um, sharing with us from from George's River Life, continuing our three-week series that he's doing with us. Scott is not the Prime Minister. Um, He's one of the pastors at George's River Life um, Baptist, and we're, we're really enjoying the series that Scott is leading us through. So thanks. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach after him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a date when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Last week, if you missed it, we met Paul in Athens, uh, a city and a culture steeped in religious practices. The gods absolutely shaped daily life in the city. Um, culture is a powerful force, and like I illustrated last week with my tale of trying to pull a half-submerged tinny with a kayak against the tide from just down here. The tide was strong, but my attachments made the tide all the stronger Uh, And, you know, I think we live in a culture that's always trying to shape us. We don't uh, carve our idols out of marble anymore, but we we still, at at 
we still sacrifice at the altar of the same forces that promised us the good life. Our life of security, a life of meaning, a life of value. Paul is astounded by what he sees because he's on the outside looking in, realizing that the cultural tide is so strong and the people's attachment so long-standing that they, they can't see that the gods they revere are counterfeits of, of the Creator God who is above all of the imitations. And today we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper because not only was Athens a city of idols, but it was also a city of ideas. And though it, it was, uh, like I said, not cool to be an atheist, agnostics thrived here, particularly among Plato's Academy and the other philosophical schools of Athens that Luke records. And, and Paul attracted the interest of the Epicureans and the Stoics we read. These, uh, these two groups actually said some good stuff. And the Epicureans, I reckon they could teach us all something about simplicity in life and community today. But both the Epicureans and the Stoics had a very detached view of God. They thought that if the gods exist, which they were really, would say the data was inconclusive, well, well, they do what they want, and um, they don't really want anything to do with us. They saw life as only in the now, and resurrection or afterlife was actually a pretty taboo thought. Therefore, the good life for the Epicurean was embracing simplicity and pleasure, and for the Stoic, it was embracing reason and emotional indifference to the virtues and the vices of life. You know, N.T. Wright, in his commentary on Acts, in this chapter says, you know what, that produces two kinds of responses that are actually incredibly modern. One response is, well, we shrug our shoulders and we say, God, I don't know, and I don't really care. I'll just go with the flow of the culture and politely join in the religious festivals when needed. I'll go to Christmas and Easter. <laughs> I'll sacrifice an animal from time to time. Or maybe you don't do that, but maybe the equivalent is giving to charity. But really, the attitude is, I'll do my own thing because I actually like it like that. The other response is, I don't know, but I can't help but thinking that there must be more to life because I just don't have all the data. And that I feel like there must be a meaning that's greater than I can grasp. So I'm going to keep my mind and my heart open to the pursuit of what I'm unaware of. Now, both are really what we would call agnosticism. But one says, well, ignorance is bliss. And the other says, ignorance, it, it's really unsatisfying. Which are you? Don't know and don't care? Or don't know, but I'm curious. Well, I'm assuming that if you're still watching by this point or listening, that you may be a little curious. And Paul was assuming that his listeners were still curious. And so he draws their attention to their own altar to the unknown God. And actually one of these uh, is, it can still be found on display in Rome today. Athens uh, has so many altars, but they have this one to the unknown God, just in case they missed one. Um, and they had that covered. Actually, I'm not I'm really sure what their motivation was for this altar to the unknown God. And there are several theories but it seems that by having it, the people of Athens were open to the possibility that there is a God whom they as yet can't define or, or enshrine. Think about 
you know, that tide again. McCrindle research shows that the fastest rising group over the past decade are the nuns, people who say they're spiritual but not identified with a specific religion. Most people really aren't prepared to go all the way and to be an atheist because, well, ironically, it takes too much faith to be that dogmatic. But people find being agnostic really convenient because it means that you can have the option of being spiritual but avoid the implications or the commitments of kind of being too specific about that. It's like we we also, in a sense, build an altar to the unknown God, but then we sit on it and we write down our own definition of, of what that God is like, because, hey, it's my truth anyway. Paul's response is, hey, I actually know your unknown God, and he's not only knowable, but he's radically different from the others that they did know. So what does he say? Well, in this, in this very dense summary of actually what would have been a much longer speech at the Areopagus, Paul outlines several aspects of what this God is like. He says this God, firstly, is the creator who gives life to all. He says in him we move and have our being. He says that he doesn't live in a temple or uh, in gold or in stone, that we can't craft an image of this God that this God is not needy, he's not wanting from us or a sacrament or a sacrifice, that we have nothing to give him, but he gives life to all, that this God is not tribal, he's not Israel's God or Athens's God, but he's the God over all the nations, and that this God is knowable. He's not hiding from us, but rather he wants us to search for him, to reach out for him, and so to find him. This was a radically different and revolutionary vision to the Greek concept of the gods. And then Paul finishes with some particularly controversial words. He says, In the past, you know, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everybody by raising him from the dead. Let me paraphrase that. Paul saying, you know what? Time is up for sitting on the fence and saying uh, the truth of God can't be known. That it's time for a radical rethink because God has actually made himself personally known in the one who has raised from the dead and in whom we will all give an account. Now, I can only imagine that Paul's conclusions were pretty offensive for those intellectuals to hear. Not only because he mentions resurrection, but he suggests that their plea of ignorance or not knowing, it has to end. That there is an objective truth that they can hold on to and will be judged on. You might feel offended by that statement too. And I know that I can't convince you of anything, just as Paul couldn't convince those at the Areopagus. But today, for what, for whatever reason that you found this message, I ask you to consider this wild idea that as Paul says in verse 27, God, who has you in this moment so that you would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. That against the the tide of ideas and idols around us, the radically good news is that you can know God 
and that knowledge is grounded in the historical person of Jesus Christ, God in flesh, who for the love of you died and overcame that death so that you may know God and have eternal life. Today, if you're thinking, well, maybe, but I just don't have the faith that you have to believe in Jesus. Can I say respectfully, yes, you do. You already have faith going somewhere. You trust all sorts of ideas and hope in all kinds of idols without even blinking. Yes, it does take faith to accept Jesus, but it also takes faith to reject Jesus and trust something else. You know, the famous Stoic and Emperor Marcus Aurelius in his book six of his meditations says, we find ourselves in a river. Which of the things around us should we value when none of them can offer a firm foothold? And he, he was right. Nothing around us can offer a firm foothold against the flow of the tide till we meet Jesus, who is our firm foothold. He's our rock. He's our redeemer. He's our friend. Hey, may your agnostic days be coming to an end. May you come to know this unknown God. Hey, if you would like to talk to me about faith or connect with us at GRLC, we would love to hear from you. And you can contact us at care at grlc.org.au. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that we can know you, that you're not like all of the counterfeits and that you uh, reveal the heart of God for us, that you love us, and that uh, you want us to search for you and find you. And that uh, when we search, we will find you. For each person listening or watching today, who's searching, who's open, and who's curious, uh, I pray, God, that they would keep searching because you will be found. And I pray for those that just feel like it's all too hard or they just shrug their shoulders. Lord, would you open them to the possibility uh, that they can find you? and that you love them, and that you've done everything possible for us to come into a relationship with you. God, thank you for the gift of yourself in Jesus Christ. And we pray that we might come to know you and love you and allow you to be the heart and the soul of our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Scott, for that that really good challenge. And hey, I just want to say... Um, if you want to chat through these questions a little bit further, um, really get in touch with us. And hey, Lewis, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. It's just been so good to have you in Sydney in person um, after all this time. And I um, just want to say to just thank you to everyone who continues to give toward the work of the gospel at PBC. Um, we're just really very appreciative of that. It's very much needed. And... Um, really important expression of our worship to God as well. So if you have a yet to start giving, you've joined us online but you, you haven't yet started giving um, we'd love to invite you to do that you can find details of how to do that through our website. But bless you and have an awesome week.